and I would hand the number four spot to the Calgary Flame. It's time to talk some National Hockey League as we celebrate our 400th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you, and we're also joined on this special episode by our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Sean Dode, out there on the left coast of Canada. Sean will be in with us in a moment, and uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about, folks, as I try to figure out how to start and stop a timer, because I'm not the brightest, sharpest knife in the drawer, but... In this episode, what I want to concentrate on is getting Chris and Sean involved in a lot of discussion about this just-started National Hockey League season, where most teams are one, Toronto is two games in already, so obviously the season has started, but we've got a lot of things to talk about. I've discussed quickly with Sean, uh, hopefully Chris heard this when I was talking to, uh, to Sean, that we want to pick our division winners, uh, four division winners. We want to pick our one, two, three, four, five, six award winners. We want to pick our teams that we think are going to make the postseason. Eight in the uh, Eastern Conference, obviously. I've got eight and a half in the West. I'll get to that when we get there. Also, I want to see and see what the guys are thinking in regard to picking our final two teams in regard to the two teams that will battle for Lord Stanley's Cup next June. I've got two traditional hockey markets. I'm being very facetious when I say that. And also something that I think would be kind of kind of neat to see what the guys are going to say. Uh, the SCORE Television Network, which is now part of the Sports, uh, sports Net, isn't it? Or Sports, yeah, Sports Net Network here in Canada has just come out with their top 10 of what they think or who they think are the top 10 National Hockey League players as we start this 2019-2020 season. So as I welcome you into the program, obviously I've got to welcome in Chris. I've got to welcome in Sean. Gentlemen, thank you much. Appreciate Sean taking the time for being with us here today from out in Vancouver. And I'm going to let both of you start with an opening statement of what you're looking forward to seeing, what you hope maybe we won't see. I don't know. I just want kind of an opening, uh, an opening salvo, if you will, on this night, excuse me, 19, Jesus, I am old, <laughs> this 2019-2020 National Hockey League season. Well, I'll just say that for me, it's pretty simple. I want, obviously, the Oilers to do well, and I want the Vegas Golden Knights to continue their unprecedented run as the greatest expansion franchise of all time right out of the gate and to be just a, a perennial powerhouse every year right out of the gate. This will be their third year. It's unbelievable what they've done. And I'm just really looking forward to uh, to that. And I'd love to say that I'd love to see a Canadian team win this year, but I definitely don't think that this is the year when the Leafs and Oilers are as likely as any Canadian teams to win the Cup this year. Uh, I don't really like the chances in that situation. But anyway, yes, welcome to the program, Sean. And uh, what are you looking for this year in the NHL? I'm well, well, thank you very much for having me, first off. Um, I would say that I'm looking forward to more 
the continued growth and the continued changing of the guard towards the young players, um, I guess when we get on later on to surprise teams and teams that we think are going to be collapses, you'll see more of that because I really don't think that uh, teams such as Pittsburgh, Dallas in particular, will be doing very well this year. And I really look forward to seeing more energetic hockey from the likes of uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, even the Colorado Avalanche, a very young and up-and-coming, exciting, fast team. And uh, I think it'll be all around a very good year for the NHL. And uh, I can't wait for Seattle to finally name their team. Hopefully they get around to that sooner or later. Well, Sean, um, I want to start by, uh, there's so many things. And also at the end, I'm going to ask the two gentlemen, which are the two teams after we've we've named who we think are going to win the respective divisions, who we think are going to take home the awards from the Vegas show, always in after the Stanley Cup playoffs, the awards ceremony in Vegas every year. Uh, also, we're going to name our 16 what we think, and hopefully there's some you know, division here, and I think there was just when I heard from Sean there about the Dallas Stars not playing as well, and uh-oh, I got scared because I've got Dallas as one of my playoff teams. So, But I, I'm going to ask the guys at the very end, what are two teams, one from the Eastern Conference, one from the Western Conference, that have a snowball's chance in Phoenix once training camp is over? I think there's a real definitive one in the Eastern Conference. Not so sure about the Western Conference, but it'll be interesting to see what the guys say there. And again, I'm going to be asking for the two teams that have a less than a snowball's chance in hell in Phoenix of having a good season this year, one from the Eastern Conference, one from the West. But let's start with our division winners. And let's start with Sean, then we'll ask Chris to do it, and then I will follow up with my choice, if that's okay with you guys. I always was raised by the guests are first, so that's what the way we're going to go with this. And let's start, if you will, please, Sean, with your winner in the the two Eastern Conference divisions, which would be the Atlantic Division and the Metro Division. My two winners over in the East will be the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Atlantic Whoa. and the Carolina Hurricanes in the Metro. Whoa. Give us a little reason why you're, you're going out, uh, uh, excuse me, why you're going out that way with that, Sean. Well, I hate Toronto, but I do acknowledge that one of these years they have to get over the hump. And I'm thinking this is going to be the year. Uh, I don't think they're going to be relying too much on defense. I do think the addition of uh, Tyson Berry will be a very good pickup for them. Um, I think getting rid of guys like Jake Gardner and especially uh, the Russian that they ditched to Ottawa last year um, Zaitsev? will be a very good move for them. Zaitsev, that's right, the $4 million overpaid man. Um yeah, as much as I don't like to cheer for Toronto, I do think they're going to come away with the division. I think it's uh, pretty much between them and Tampa Bay, with Boston probably being a distant third. Um, and in the Metro, I think Carolina is looking really good, and I think you're going to see teams like Pittsburgh take a big step backwards. 
and I really don't think anyone else is going to challenge Carolina. I think New York Rangers will be a surprise. I think they'll do a lot better than other people think they will for such a young squad, but um, they're an up-and-comer, and look out for them. Nice. Interesting, Sean. I have to say that, uh, wow, I didn't think you were going to pick Toronto there. I love to come up with unique picks. I don't like to do the typical stuff, but I just I, I have to pick the Tampa Bay Lightning here. I mean, how can you not? They were by far the best team last year. They haven't changed too much. And even though people think they choked in the playoffs, I think it was just a perfect storm that went against them. I'm not convinced that they're going to every year just be a terrible team in the playoffs. I don't think this is the new San Jose Sharks. I don't think that they're just going to always be great in the regular season and always make the playoffs and then always just do nothing in the playoffs. I, I, I think that they're going to be good, and I think that they're going to have a better playoff year this year when at least one round. So I've got to take them, although, of course, the Leafs should be easily make the playoffs and be one of the top teams and maybe give Tampa a run for their money. And uh, in, the, in the Metro, you mentioned them, and uh, I, I'm going to just... I'm going to go out, I have to go on a limb on some of these. Like, I want to pick the Washington Capitals, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm just going to have some fun and say the New York Rangers complete their warps, oh. their warp speed, uh, their warp speed rebuild. That's how you do a rebuild. You send a letter out to your loyal fans, say, hey, I know we don't do a rebuild too much. I know we're one of the big teams, but we're going to do it for a couple of years. They got, as Sean showed us the one time, they got record amounts of draft picks in no time, used them wisely, and all of a sudden, they're right back where they need to be, I think. And I think they're going to be really, really good this year and really shock a lot of people. And uh, I totally agree they're going to be a surprise. So, I mean, really, if I if I had to put money on it, I'd say the Capitals. But uh, I'm going to say the Rangers just because uh, I, I just can't take a typical team every time well um for me in the atlantic division i think that uh john cooper and his tampa bay lightning have something to prove um last year obviously ended about as poorly as it could for a team that won 62 regular season games last year they've got an unbelievable talent base um i think they've got a lot of positives and now i think they've got a chip on their shoulder and i think that the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning will win the Atlantic Division. The Metro Division, I'm going with the old Greybeards. I think that they've got one more run in them. I really do. If they can figure out what they, you know, if they can get some consistent goaltending, they still have Sid the Kid. They still got Evgeny Malkin. They got rid of the guy from the University of Wisconsin that's now down, Phil Kessel. And I think that was a problem at the end of the year. I really do. And uh, let, let Kessel be somebody's problem in Arizona. But... I ultimately think the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Atlantic Division and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, maybe it's uh, the one, you know, the one last, the one last run. I don't know what it is before they break this team up. Everybody's getting older, but there's still some real quality on that hockey team, obviously. And if they can put it together, and any team that's got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on it, they've got a chance. And uh, that's what I'm hoping for. And uh, I think Pittsburgh's got to be a little. You know, they've got to have a little chip too because people have written off have written them off and ultimately they can't be happy with the way their season ended last year. So uh, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins sneaking in and winning the Metro Division. Let's go back out to Vancouver and we'll now continue with our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Sean. Sean, give me your two winners in the Western Conference, which would be the Central Division and the Pacific Division, please. In the Central Division, I'm going to go with the Colorado Avalanche. And in the Pacific Division, I'm going to go with 
the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't think there's a whole lot to understanding the reasons why I'm taking Vegas. Um, however, in the Central, some people may raise some questions as to why I wouldn't go with somebody like the St. Louis Blues, current NHL Stanley Cup winner. But um, I didn't see St. Louis coming last year, and I still don't think that they are as deserving as uh, some people would have them. Um, I, lo- I love Colorado. I think they're young and exciting, as I said. And I think they're going to do a lot of damage in the Central. I think Winnipeg's going to take a giant step backwards. Um, a lot of people are saying that. Some are trying to defend it. But they're going to take a huge step backwards. And, um, yeah, I really like Colorado. And uh, Vegas, obviously, because the Pacific is by far the worst division in hockey, once again, for about the third or fourth straight year. Um Nobody's really going to challenge them, I don't think. I think Calgary might hang with them for a little while, but ultimately will fade. Um, and it's it's theirs for the taking. San Jose might battle with Calgary for second in the division, but that's about it. Um, I do think Arizona is going to take a big step forward, and I think they're going to be playing meaningful games in March. Um, but yeah, that's it. It'll be Vegas, and it'll be Colorado. I totally agree with that, Sean. I am uh, right on board with both of those. In the Central, I think people... I, I might disagree with one thing you said. I think the Central Division might be the worst division in hockey this year because Colorado and Nashville are the only teams in that uh, division that I have any faith in whatsoever. Winnipeg's... I don't know, they're entering some sort of rebuild all of a sudden. St. Louis was the worst team in hockey the first half of last year, and then they just caught fire. Uh, Chicago is a bunch of has-beens. Dallas, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I could see them taking a big step back. And Minnesota has the biggest piece of shit in the f- fucking history of the NHL, Devin Dubnik, on their team. So they can't, <laughs> so they can't do anything. So uh, I like Colorado as an up-and-coming, exciting young team as well. Nashville will be good, but Colorado and Nashville have to be easily the top two teams in that division, should coast to a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, then whoever whoever gets the third spot in the Central Division is going to be uh, a pretty weak team and has a severe chance of being upset in the first round of the playoffs, as far as I'm concerned. And Vegas, yes, even if they are in a weak division, I mean, we've just never seen this in sports, where a team comes in, they could have won the Cup both of their first two years easily, right? And so uh, it's, and now they're coasting again, it seems like. I've, there's never been anything like this. You know who I feel bad for is the unnamed Seattle franchise because everyone is, I've heard a lot of people talking like, oh, well, the expansion draft rules are too generous and now any team can just come in and be an expansion team and be great. And it's like, no, they won't. Are you kidding me? What it does is it makes sure that you have a great bottom six and then you'll probably find one team that has two good goalies and you get one of them. Like that, like it, it's great. But I mean, there is nothing inherent about this expansion draft system that gives new teams a great first line center or any or a great first line anything for that matter. So the problem is for Seattle, they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Everyone's going to expect that they're going to be more like Vegas than all the other expansion teams in history in all sports. So uh, I, I feel bad for Seattle. And we have been predicting on this show for years now that uh, they'll be called the Seattle Freeze. And I hope that comes true. Um, I'm going to agree with the guys wholeheartedly on both choices. I have Colorado winning the Central. I have Vegas winning the Pacific. Uh, Colorado really has showed me something at the end of last year, and then they totally destroyed 
the local losers in, in five games. So I enjoyed that. Um, Vegas, obviously for me, is a sentimental choice, but they've proven it to me on the ice. And except for a weird call in uh, that deciding game with the five-minute major, and I can't remember all the parameters, but all I remember is that San Jose comes back and scores three goals in, a I don't know, a matter of minutes. And uh, they four goals, four goals, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. We got it stolen from us. I believe that, and I, I'm I'm going to go to my grave with that. And so. Vegas has just kicked the shit out of San Jose in two twice. games, yeah. twice already this twice year. Twice already so. this season. Yeah. So right. I'm totally on board with both of those choices. I like Colorado in the Central, and I like the Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific Division. As we welcome you again to this 400th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. And again, if you're wondering where the third voice is coming from, the third voice is joining us. And we're very appreciative of that from Vancouver, our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Mr. Sean Dode. And gentlemen, I'd, I'd like to switch gears now that we've got the division winners taken care of. Let's take a look at our playoff teams. And I have them. I don't know how you guys divvied yours up. I just went one through eight. My division winners were one and two. And then everybody fell in three through eight on both sides. So let's start with Sean going back to the Eastern Conference. Sean, give me your first four Eastern Conference playoff teams, please. Um, my two division winners, as I mentioned earlier, will be Carolina and Toronto, so they would be 1-2. And after that, I would largely look to taking Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins. I would go with the New Jersey Devils. We haven't mentioned them at all yet. And uh, I think they are looking great. Taylor Hall coming going into uh, his last year before becoming a UFA, looking for a huge payday and looking for a healthy season. I think look out for the New Jersey Devils. They've got a lot going for them, and they have a whole bunch of young talent. Uh, I would say their one question mark would probably be in goal. Um, they did have Mackenzie Blackwood, but they did release him last week, I believe. So I don't know if they're going to be going with... Uh, Corey Schneider or if they're going to be using somebody else we'll have to wait and see but they are looking good and other than that I think the Islanders are still going to be looking good playing the Barry Trotz defensive system you'll see the Pittsburgh Penguins in there but they will be at the bottom but also look out for the Columbus Blue Jackets you I have been too impressed over the years with Jarmo Kekalainen and what he's doing over there. Um, even though they went balls to the wall last year and uh, with Panarin, um, I think they're going to be good. And I think uh, you always have to give them credit. They just have too many forwards that are potential 20-goal scorers, and I think they could be a sleeper. Okay, so who are your top four then out of those? Who are, who are going to be the top four seeds in the East? Top four seeds would be Carolina, Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning, and probably the Boston Bruins. So I'd have three from uh, the Atlantic and one from the Metro. Okay, I'm going to say that, oh boy, I'm going to have to put, well, again, my uh, mine were Tampa Bay and the Rangers uh, going out on a limb. So I'll also put the uh, Washington Capitals there. And I'll also put the, uh, who was the other one I wanted to, and Boston Bruins. I think those would be my top four. How about you, Mike? My top four look like this. My two division winners are, again, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins from the Metro Division. 
My third seeded team is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs, though it doesn't it doesn't enjoy me at all to say that. Sorry. Um, and my fourth seeded team in the East will be the Boston Bruins. I just think that uh, there's a lot of talent there. Cassidy is a good coach, and uh, Boston is probably. I mean, how many days left do they have of Zadina Chara out there? And it'll be interesting to see how the Bruins bounce back after losing in Game 7 last year to the St. Louis Blues. While we've got Sean, let's go continue on with our bottom four teams that make the Eastern Conference playoffs, teams 5 through 8, and we go back to Vancouver. Sean, the microphone is yours. For 5 through 8, I would have to take the New York Islanders, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it's really a toss-up. I want to take five from the Metro and only the three from the Atlantic. If I want to stick with that, then I'm going to have to go with the New Jersey Devils as well. Okay, so I'm going to say that I don't think the Devils are going to be winners right away. Uh, I know that Sean agrees that Subban is incredibly overrated, and I know that the uh, Devils fans are looking forward to Taylor Hall and Jack Hughes, but I don't think they're going to be winners that quickly. For my 5-8, through I would have the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I have to say, uh, I'm a big believer in Ralph Kruger. And so I'm going to take the Buffalo Sabres in a surprise, wow. making in the playoffs. Just be Ralph Kruger is that good. I mean, talk about a guy who didn't deserve to be fired, and you get fired in favor of Dallas Aikens. I mean, it's the most backwards thing I've <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. It's like, uh, you know, uh, and I, you know, one time when Mike and I were just uh, first getting to know each other, I don't even think we'd recorded a, our first episode yet. We were talking on the phone one time, I remember, and uh, we were talking about something dallas aiken's wife maybe maybe well no 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 what were you talking she's hot we were talking about a similar situation where someone got you know replaced by someone who who couldn't hold their jock type of a thing and i and i used the line that david spade used at uh the roast of who was it of pamela anderson i think that would have been a rob lowe i think Maybe, but he was, he, no, 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 he was the host there, but he did a call-in on one where he did a video and he was ta- he was, he was criticizing Lisa Lampinelli for making fun of Pam Anderson, I think. And so he said, that's like a turd making fun of a sunset. <laughs> and Dallas Akins is the turd and uh, Ralph Kruger is the sunset. So because of Ralph Kruger, I'm going to take the Buffalo Sabres to make it in. And then, yeah, I have to, boy, the jeez. It's such a toss-up for me between the Carolina Hurricanes or the, um, uh, oh, geez, or the Islanders. Man, there's a lot of good teams in the East I want to take. And then we haven't even said Pittsburgh yet. Boy, I'm going to actually no. You know what? Uh, I'm going to take the Hurricanes. It's hard to imagine Barry Trotz and the Penguins missing the playoffs, but screw it. I'm going to go with it, and I'm going to say that the Florida Panthers sneak Aww. into the playoffs there. He just took my thunder. Oh, so that's that's what I'm going to go with. What do you think, Mike? Uh, yeah, my five through eight in the East looks like this. Uh, the Washington Capitals at five. The New York Islanders, because I just think the world of Barry Trotz at six. Seven, I'm going with the Carolina Hurricanes because I want to see more of those uh, post-game celebrations. And number eight... And not because of the goaltender, not of the guy they brought in from, I believe it was Columbus and, and yada, yada, yada. To me, the biggest thing that the Florida Panthers did in the offseason was bring in Joel Quenville. And I think that could be worth enough wins to get them into the eighth spot. And I'm going with the Florida Panthers in the eighth spot in the East 
to make the National Hockey League playoffs. Um, let's continue now. Going out to the Western Conference, I found, I don't know about my two colleagues here, but I found the West harder for me to differentiate between one through eight. But again, we'll start in Vancouver with numbers one through four and hand the microphone over to Sean out in Vancouver. Well, as I mentioned before, my two division winners already were Colorado and Vegas. I think Vegas will be the one seed in the Western Conference. So that would leave three and four, which I would hand to the Nashville Predators at three. And I would hand the number four spot to the Calgary Flames. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not saying you're wrong. We're just saying we don't like the flames. Uh, yeah, like boy, you guys got bias like Jack Edwards, eh? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, Jack man. Edwards. I got a story about that later too. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> I've actually met Jack Edwards when he was at ESPN 25 years ago, and uh, I was quite surprised with the comments that he came out with in regard to what happened Thursday night in that uh, Stars-Bruins game. So we'll talk about that later. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely like, like I said, Nashville and Colorado are going to be the top two in their division for sure. Uh, I'll also take uh, Vegas and... Are we just doing top four right just now? Just one through four right now. Oh, yeah, okay. So Nashville and Colorado and Vegas. And, oh, boy, as the four seed, boy, ugh. Yeah, I know. I can I can see why Sean took the Flames there. That's brutal. Um, yeah, I, ugh, yikes! That's so hard for me. I, I'll I'll take the I'll say the Flames get the number four seed. I think they're still gonna choke in the playoffs. And I pre- I was the only person in my work pool that predicted that the Avalanche would beat the Flames, and it was beautiful. And so I, I'll take the Flames in the fourth spot. But I still think they get beat in the opening round of the playoffs because when Sean, have you ever seen Kids in the Hall? Yeah. Do you know Bruce McCullough's character, Gavin, where he walks around like he's a little kid and he has the Ninja Turtles backpack on and he just annoys adults? I don't, but I only watched sporadic episodes a long, long time ago. Oh, okay, because to me, that's Johnny Gaudreau. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I thought you were going to say Kachuk. <laughs> no, 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 no. Kachuk is, uh, yeah. Kachuk belongs in the, De- in the Devin Dubnik camp, uh, but... Uh, no, Johnny Gaudreau, like it just reminds me, Bruce McCullough has this character named Gavin where he just walks around with a Ninja Turtles backpack and his hat on backwards and just says like, you know, what are you doing? And just annoys adults. And that's just Johnny Gaudreau. I saw him on After Hours one time and he had a hat on backwards and he looked like he was 12 and it's just ridiculous. And I'm sorry. I appreciate that the game is faster and you can be a small guy and you can be skilled and, you know, you know, you know, it's not the Darien Hatchers of the world trying to water ski off people anymore and that's awesome but at the same time you can go a little bit too far and get just be useless in the playoffs like Johnny Gaudreau was so I still think the Flames suck in the playoffs but okay we'll give them the number four seed uh my top four seeds in the Western Conference playoffs and I just think someday Johnny Gaudreau should play for Kyle Dubas because they came from the same mother that's what I think. They both look like they're 13 years old and just getting off an acne problem. Um, my f- top four in the West, my one seed, and I echo Sean and, and uh, Chris here, obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights are one. I have Colorado as two. I'm taking the St. Louis Blues as number three. 
I really like Craig Berube. I like the goaltender. I think there's a lot of good things in St. Louis. And they could fall flat on their face, too. But that's the way I see it right now. My fourth seed would be the San Jose Sharks. Those are my top four. I've got Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, and San Jose in my top four in the West. Now, for our numbers five, six, seven, and 8, back to Vancouver. Sean, it's all yours. Well, for 5 through 8, um, once again, I'm going to be taking 5 from the Central and only 3 from the Pacific, being the weaker division, as I argued earlier. Um, however, for the 3 seed, I will give that nod to the San Jose Sharks. Um, oh, sorry, not 3. That would be 5. Uh Five would be the Sharks. Six, I would have being the St. Louis Blues, although I still feel like I'm giving them too much credit in putting them at the six. And the final two positions I would give to the Blackhawks, who are still on their way down, but still clinging to life. And the eighth seed I will give to the Dallas Stars, who I think have no business being in there. But... With their acquisitions of Perry and uh, Joe Pavelski, I think uh, they'll have a little bit of a bright spot in the bounce-back season from Jordy Ben. And I'm sure you guys will possibly grill me in a moment as to why the Winnipeg Jets are not in my playoffs. <laughs> but that is the sad reality of being cashed out like the Hawks were after their first Stanley Cup win. They lost way too many players, and they have no defense anymore and i have no confidence in them oh hey i'm not going to grill you on that at all i completely agree and i didn't even consider putting the winnipeg jets in the playoffs this year after they've been a perennial powerhouse the last while yeah i don't know that was that fire sale came out of nowhere i don't know what the hell's going on and now line is unhappy and it's just a disaster then bufflin won't report to the team and it's just uh like everything's completely fallen apart out of nowhere in winnipeg i wouldn't even consider them uh, but okay, so I'm going to take here, uh, I'm going to say the St. Louis Blues make the playoffs. I think they'll ride their uh, their momentum at least that far. So that's good. Uh, I'm going to say that the Arizona Coyotes tough it out and uh, make the playoffs there as well. They're, they're generally a scrappy team and they got a scrappy coach and I could see that happening for sure. Um, I'm going to say the Chicago Blackhawks get in this year as well. I know that they're not the same as they were when they were winning the Cups, but they've still got some talent. And um, that I want to see how that number three overall Kirby Dash works out uh, because they, you know, the guys from three through 10 were interchangeable in this year's draft. And that was a surprise. People weren't expecting him to go number three. So I want to see if he can contribute there. And, uh, of course, I've got to take the Edmonton Oilers. Of course I do, and I'm a total homer there. But, uh, I I mean, they've got, they've got two of the top four scorers from last year, and I know that they've got a brand-new GM, brand-new coach. Well, they always have a brand-new coach the last few years. <laughs> well, they showed, like, poor Ryan Nugent Hopkins yeah. has had a new coach almost every single year he's been there. Right. So I feel bad for him. But, uh, you know what, there's a lot to like about this team. It could go south. I know that their their bottom six could either be spectacular and fast and amazing or just horrible, and it's really hard to predict right now. I don't think anybody truly knows, but uh, you know, I, I felt like they, we got ripped off a couple of years ago in 2017 in the playoffs against Anaheim. There, we should have advanced to the Western Final there, and uh, that was a real Corey shame. Perry. Ugh, 
good grief. <laughs> that piece of shit. Anyway, yeah, so it was just it was it's really too bad, but I just don't think that a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle can just miss the playoffs every year. Uh, I think that ho- the Holland hire has been excellent. I was optimistic anyway. I know that I had told Sean before it happened that I thought that Holland would be a good choice and Sean had a lot of legitimate concerns about Ken Holland, but I have to say what I've seen so far He's been great. He doesn't come off like some dinosaur who's living back in the dark ages. He seems like like he still is passionate about the game and he's still a scout at heart. And so I think he still loves sitting in, you know, cold AHL arenas with shitty coffee. And I think he still loves all that. And I think he's still passionate. I think he really is trying to keep up. He wants speed on the bottom six which is something that uh, an older school guy would just stuff old big checkers down there. So uh, I've been very impressed with Tippett and Holland so far, and I hope it continues. Well, these last four have been difficult for me, and um, but I have to go with Nashville. There's still too much talent there. I got to have them in the playoffs at number five. Um, mainly because I still want to have a happy life with a happy wife. I'm taking the Calgary Flames at number six, though it pains me to do so. Um, Number seven, I am going to take the Edmonton Oilers. I think that the things that Chris just described, I think that they have made out much better in the de facto goalie swap between what Calgary got in Talbot and what Edmonton got in Mike Smith. I also believe, obviously, that Calgary got screwed in the Lucic deal in regard to what I think James Neal is going to score 20 to 25 goals, especially if he stays on a line with Connor McDavid for an extended period, he's going to put, he's going to put the, in the puck in the net. It's that simple. And the most difficult choice for me was number eight, actually, because I have a toss up between two teams. I think Arizona is improved very much. Taka, we know what kind of guy he is as the head coach of the Coyotes. Um, but Winnipeg, Still, with all the defections and all the problems, they still have Paul Maurice. And I think he's one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. And I think that that can make a difference. The problem I'm having is I don't think it's going to be enough this year. And I'm going to put the Arizona Coyotes in as the eighth playoff spotter, as the eighth playoff member from the Western Conference. And the people in Winnipeg, I'm sorry, I'm not disrespecting you. The problem is, you have only two-sixths of your defensive core from last year. You don't know what's going to happen with Bufflin. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Hellebuck has said some really weird things in the media lately about how he's feeling about this season. And you go nowhere in Winnipeg, if you, even if you have Bufflin and all these other guys and your, and your goaltender plays like crap. So I just don't see enough positives right now in Winnipeg. As much as I'd like to put them in there, I'm going with the Arizona Coyotes in the eighth spot. Um, if you are just joining us, again, we are celebrating our 400th episode of Unscripted. And with that, we're going through a quite detailed NHL uh, preview of this 2019-2020 season. And we're joined by our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Mr. Sean Dode, out there on Canada's left coast. And having said that, we'll go back to Sean. And right now, what I want is the two teams that you think are going to be playing in June for Lord Stanley's Cup, and Sean, again, we'll start with you. Who is the two teams, and who's going to win it? Well, as much as I am cheering for Colorado, unfortunately, come playoff time, I just don't see how there's any way that their top line solely alone, because I don't think Nazem Kadri is good enough to carry that second line for them. Um, they can't get by Vegas, and 
Vegas should have gone a lot further last year, if not for that unfortunate major penalty call purely due to pressure. Anyways, no, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be going all the way. They're going to take the Stanley Cup this year, and they're going to be taking it from the Tampa Bay Lightning in the East. And once again, Tampa Bay, they're just, they're not going to be able to get it done. And once again, they are going to come up against a team like they did last year in the Columbus Blue Jackets that are going to be too big, too strong. And they're not going to have any answer for that because their players just simply aren't big enough for playoff hockey. I literally would have said almost word for word the exact same the whole thing. The I don't whole even way. have to. I don't even yeah. have to. I, I, I. I've got Vegas over Tampa Bay. So did I. Yeah. Vegas with home ice, and I have the Golden Knights winning in six games. Perfect. Yeah. I. I uh, I'd, I'd consider seven. I'd, I'd almost say seven there, but uh, I think Vegas finally wins. They should. Have, they should have at least one cup through two years, and uh, it's a real shame they don't have one yet. And I think that they. They. They know they need to take advantage of this. You can. They, they can't just be a great team every year for the next 20 years right off the gates, can they? Like, I don't know. It's crazy. But, yeah, I, I have to say that the Vegas Golden Knights break through this year, too, for sure. Uh, you know, this is a team that uh, has added. They have unbelievable first year with 51 wins. It's, it's unbelievable when you say it was a disappointing second year for a second-year expansion team, but it was. They go as far, obviously, as Fleury takes them in net, but they've got scores, they've got D-men, and they have an unbelievable front office and general manager that know when to add, when to subtract. It's an unbelievable... I mean, if if you were sitting there, in my opinion, and I know, I'm biased. Okay, so what? All I know is that if you were looking, if you were a guy that was looking to start a sports franchise, the model that you might want to copy would be the model of the Vegas Golden Knights. From ownership to head office to the bench boss, to everything. Everything has been first class in Vegas, but I got to find it funny as I'll be 55 here in a couple of weeks. Those two traditional hockey markets, Las Vegas and Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. battling for this year's Stanley Cup to me shows how far we've come in the National Hockey League over the last couple of decades. It's really been exciting, and I think Vegas is going to be a fun place to be in June this year, and I'm going to be there. Nice. Good. Let's continue on. We've taken care of that part of our uh, little bit of our National Hockey League preview to this 20... Why do I keep saying 19? Jesus Christ, I need a something. The 2019-2020 National Hockey League season, and I'd like to go with the award winners. I've picked out the six big ones that most people know. I did not include the Selkie because I don't care. Um, well, Patrice Bergeron just wins it most years anyway. Well, and so. last year it was that guy, Ryan O'Reilly from St. Louis and yada, yada, yada. And, but I went with the Hart, the Ross, the Norris, the Vesna, the Calder, and the Adams. And uh, again, we'll start in Vancouver with our friend Sean. Sean, give me your Hart, your Ross, and your Norris trophy winners for this National Hockey League season, please. to the same gentleman that would be Connor McDavid and my James Norris Memorial Trophy this is a bit of a hard one because I have a sleeper pick that is not going to win but I'm hoping he gets consideration in the form of some votes from the press this year um, 
that sleeper pick is actually Thomas Shabbat on the Ottawa Senators, who I wow. think Whoa. just signed a new eight-year deal. And Whoa, that's a sleeper. They, before he gets kicked out of town because he makes too much money by Melnick, I think he's going to have one hell of a season, and he's going to open up the eyes of a lot of voters this year. Sean, I, um, Sean, I, I, I respect your knowledge better than anybody's, but will we even? I mean, by the time we get to Feb, excuse me, let's say mid-season, which the All Star Game is usually now around the end of January. Will Ottawa still be playing? I mean, will they have just suspended the rest of their games due to lack of caring or lack of interest or whatever? I think this guy's going to get. I think he's a great player, but and and I love I love the cojones to make a pick, a really educated pick like that. But the media will have forgotten and they will have dropped Ottawa off the face of the earth. I'm afraid by the time we get to the to the All Star break, agree? Yeah, so that I do agree with that. You know, it's one of the. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people late in the year when Edmonton was out of the playoffs were talking about how McDavid, um, the argument was, does he deserve consideration for the heart because of the team's play? You know, does the team not having success late in the season factor in to the player's performance in being considered for an individual award. And that was a big talking point late in the season. And as I said, I don't think Shabbat is by any chance going to win the Norris. However, I do want to see him get consideration for it. Um, if, I, if you know, you put me on the spot and I had to pick a favorite for the Norris, I would probably th- throw a toss-up between Brent Burns, potentially Eric Carlson, if he can stay healthy, obviously both on the same team. Um, and perhaps a player like maybe Roman Yossi, somebody who doesn't quite get the consideration in years past for the solid defensive work he does. Um but other than that, I don't think anybody really jumps off the page. You might see some gains this year, you know, from the, the Rosnes Dahlins. Um, you Obviously, in the East, you're going to have a lot of people voting for Victor Hedman. I'm sure he probably will be a finalist for the Norris. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even took it. We're, we're seeing Dowdy falling off the map. And uh, as I said, Burns and Carlson have their own issues as well with health. So who knows? Um, yeah, Conservative pick Victor Hedman, but as I said, I would like to see Shabbat get some some nominations. Sounds good. Get a few votes in there. Awesome! Wow, that's a ballsy pick. Okay, uh, yeah, I actually am taking Victor Hedman. I'm going to say that the other finalists are Brent Burns and Roman Yossi. You mentioned all my guys, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking Victor Hedman takes it. I also agree with your picks of Connor McDavid for the heart and the Art Ross. I think that he uh, takes back what's his. Uh, I'm sure Kucherov will still be awesome. I'm sure, but uh, I think those are. Connor McDavid's for the taking, absolutely, as well. And also, just, I will say for the Selkie, I'll always take Patrice Bergeron for the Selkie. Just a quick, uh, uh, you don't need to explain anything. Who, who would you take for the Selkie? Which player? Sean? I w- I'm actually going to go with the guy who started getting some good consideration last year as one of the first non-centers to give uh, serious consideration to the Selkie, and that was Mark Stone. I oh, think he's uh, got a great defensive acumen and i think he's going to garner even more attention this year and i hope he wins it um, i'm sick and tired of patrice bergeron um being the de facto winner every year 
um, just because the guy wins face-offs and happens to be riding shotgun with the rat out there, um, <laughs> whose name shall not be mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's it. Yeah, I really hope Mark Stone wins it and takes it as a winger oh, for a change. That'd be nice. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Okay, um, I'm going a little bit different way on the heart. I mean, obviously... I think Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in, in the world. And uh, I mean no disrespect. But I think with the heightened expectations in Colorado, I believe we're gonna see we're gonna see Nathan McKinnon have to be in the in the more of the limelight. This team is gonna be in more national games. You're gonna get more familiar with Nathan McKinnon. I sure got an education with in regard to Nathan McKinnon last year and what the ass kicking that they gave to the Calgary Flames. He was a dominant uh, a hockey player in that five-game series. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is no disrespect to Connor. It's no disrespect to Chris. I just think that you know we know what Connor McDavid can do. I'm kind of trying to expand my horizons a little bit, and I'm going with Nathan McKinnon as the Hart Trophy winner. The Ross Trophy winner goes to Connor McDavid. There's nobody else in his league. Norris Trophy for me. This one was kind of, I think this year he's going to be healthier. I think he's going to be through all of the personal trauma last year that he went through after having been in Melnickville forever and then going all the way out to the West Coast and learning a new system in a new conference and a different style of play under Peter DeBoer in in, uh, San Jose. I think Eric Carlson comes back this year and plays hockey the way we've all gotten used to watching Eric Carlson play hockey from the back end. He is my Norris Trophy winner from the San Jose Sharks. I don't know why. It's just I like his hair. Um, Let's continue on. And again, we'll start with Sean uh, here on our 400th unscripted episode. And we're going to look at the Vesna Trophy. And for the Americans that don't know what that is, the Vesna Trophy is for the goaltenders. The Calder Trophy is for Rookie of the Year. And the Adams Trophy is for the Coach of the Year. And for those three awards, we're going back to Vancouver. Sean, the show is yours. Well, first off, I would have to say for the Vesna Trophy, I'm going to go with Andre Vasilevsky. Um, he was the number one player in fantasy hockey this year for a reason. Um, Tampa Bay is just still too strong. He's going to have great numbers as always um, in front of that defense um, and their offense largely winning games on their own. I don't think anybody's going to come close to him. You might see Bobrovsky in Florida put up uh, you know, a good year. He might get them close to the playoffs, as we talked about earlier. Um, but ultimately, the award is Vasilevsky's to lose. Yeah, I completely agree with that for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, what was the second one we were talking about, Coach of the Year? No, yeah, we're going uh, Calder for rookie and then Adams for coach. Yeah, so Calder Trophy... Um, I think it's going to be Capo in New York. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, and I'm actually thinking that he might score 35 this year. Um, I think that'll be a great season. I think it'll be between him and the Hughes brothers, Quinn out here, and Jack in New Jersey. Um, I don't know if Jack's going to be playing um, with Nico Heischer or not, but... um, I haven't seen a lot of him, but from what I'm hearing, you know, they're gonna get they're gonna have a good year out there, and uh, I think right across uh, the water from each other there in New Jersey and Manhattan, I think they're gonna have a good rivalry playing each other all year, and those would be my three, and I think uh, Capo's gonna take it. 
Okay, and then for the coach of the year? Coach of the year, I am going to go with who Mike mentioned earlier, and I think Joel Quenville is going to have a bit of a renaissance in Florida, and I think he is just for the, whether or not they make it or not, I don't think they will, but I do think that he is going to turn a lot of heads, and he's going to get uh, the Panthers along with Bobrovsky figured out, kind of like how Barry Trotz did on, on uh, Long Island last year. Um, I think he's just uh, he's too good a coach. I think he's almost 900 wins almost, if not over, and uh, only behind Scotty Bowman. And, um, yeah, I'm going with Quenville. That's a great pick. I like Florida this year. I've been saying for weeks that they're going to make the playoffs. I love adding Quenville and Bobrovsky. That's just adding those two are great. They've got some other great pieces there too. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely thinking the Panthers make the playoffs this year. I could even potentially see them, uh, you know, not even being a wild card team. I could see them being a top three seed in their division, certainly. So uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. They're the type of franchise that, you know, they seem to either have uh, great seasons or terrible ones. They never seem to be in them. For me, it's like they're awesome or they're just the bottom of the standing. So, yeah, I think this will be a, one of their up years for sure. So uh, I totally agree with Vasilevsky and Nat. It's really hard to argue anyone else. Love to see Flurry, but uh, I think Vasilevsky, you're right. It's his to lose, like you said. Uh, and I agree with you for the Calder as well. I think it's, uh, I always like to look at like the number two, number three guy uh, draft pick and see how they're going to do. So I like to take Capocacco to, you know, even though he got uh, picked second behind Jack Hughes, I think he'll beat him in, in real competition in the first year. Um, so I agree with you on that one. And then for coach of the year, I'm going to say I'm going to be a homer, but not with the Oilers. I'm going to be a homer in a different kind of a way. And I'm going to. No, no, no. I'm going to do a homer because there's a no, there's a coach in the NHL who is born and raised in my hometown. And from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Canada, we've got Jared Bednar of the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, it's nice to see Yorkton represent. You never see that. Too much. I don't think we've had anyone actually from Yorkton since Brent Fedick of the Crazy Eights line with Lindros and Recky. And uh, although Jared Stoll did grow up not only, he spent some time not only in Yorkton, but on my street, actually. Uh, so Jared Stoll, they say Melville, but he's really Yorkton, frankly. But anyway, no, Jared Bedner from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Colorado Avalanche, uh, Coach of the Year. There you go. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, for me, the only reason and the only way that the Vegas Golden Knights win a Stanley Cup is because of Marc-Andre Fleury. And, you know, they've got a lot of different intangible pieces, really good pieces. Don't listen to Brad May on their on their television broadcast team. But besides the fact of that, I like Marc-Andre Fleury to win the Vesna because if he wins the Vesna, that means that the Golden Knights won a Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Calder Trophy... This is how much you guys are rubbing off on me. I actually watched about two periods of an exhibition game the other day, and it involved Jack Hughes. And I liked what I saw. I don't know enough about the other guy that you guys are talking about in regard to across the the uh, river in Manhattan for the Rangers. So I'm going with Jack uh, Hughes of the of the uh, New Jersey Devils. I mean, if Lindsey Vaughn's soon-to-be husband thinks he's the na- the next greatest thing since sliced bread, well. Huh, anybody that can bed Lindsey Vaughn, I'm I'm right there with you. So Jack <laughs> Jack Hughes is my guy for the Calder and for the Adams Trophy. I'm going back to that 
golfer who is also, as as Sean just mentioned, close to 900 career wins as a National Hockey League uh, coach and a Stanley Cup winning coach. I'm going with Joel Quenville down there with the Florida Panthers. Um, this has been great, guys. We've got a couple more segments to go here. And what I'd like to do, I mentioned this to Sean as Chris was getting us hooked up here to broadcast this 400th episode of Unscripted. The Score Television Network, which is now part of Sportsnet or Sports, whatever it is up here, the competition to the Toronto Sports Network, TSN up here, um, they have come up with their top 10 National Hockey League players. And I'm going to start by giving you the, the first five, and then we can have a conversation about that. And then when we decide we've had enough. We'll go through the last five. I just want to hear, mostly I want you guys, you two, much more knowledgeable about hockey than I am. Um, I'd like you two to debate, should this guy be here? Should he be higher? Should he be lower? Should he be not? Again, whatever you guys want to talk about. But I'll start with the top five in a descending order. And this again is from the Score Television Network here in Canada. And they're Numbers 10 through 5 in regard to the top 10 National Hockey League players. Number 10, they have Victor Hedman from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Number 9, they've got Yevgeny Malkin from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Number 8, they've got Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks. Number 7, they've got Austin Matthews from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And number 6, they've got Patrick Kane from the Chicago Blackhawks. Go ahead, boys. Let her rip. Please discuss your feelings on numbers 10 through 6. Uh, well, I'll just say that I love Hedman in the top 10. I'm a big fan of him. Malkin, uh, you know, I, I assume he can still play like he used to. Uh, Carlson, I drafted Eric Carlson in my fantasy league this year, and I hope he does well. Uh, he kind of underperformed a little bit up to hit in terms of his standards when getting traded to San Jose. So I'd like to see, uh, especially on the goal side of things. So I'd like to see a few more goals from him this year, but certainly he's got the talent. Austin Matthews. Like, he's a 40-goal scorer, and he's really talented at putting the puck in the net, so I guess he's just kind of a weirdo, and I'm glad they didn't give him the C. But uh, I suppose for pure talent, you could put him there, potentially. And same with Patrick Kane, even though Patrick Kane, it's been a while since his talent really translated to a lot of wins, I think. What do you think, Sean? Um, I agree. I, I don't mind any of them in there. I probably would have dropped Malkin to maybe 11 or 12. Um, he is getting older. He's also not going to have anybody of note that he's going to be uh, feeding the puck to. I don't think he's going to be playing with Galchenyuk. Um, losing Kessel, yeah, they might have had an issue, as Mike alluded to earlier, late in the season. However, Kessel put up 30-plus goals with Malkin, like, for multiple years in a row and they can't just keep throwing these young kids these no-namer Jake Gensels and Connor Shearies they, they can't just keep finding these guys at a Wilkesbury scram and having them help out these players who are now in their 30s the Malkins even Patrick Kane you know he had a huge bounce back here um pretty much because of Alex Dabrinkit. You know, second-year player comes out, scores 40 goals. You know, you don't see that very often. Um, I think Austin Matthews is fine. You know, I also am not a big fan of his. He'll be gone in five years for sure. He'll be in Arizona if they're still in Arizona. 
Um, and I don't really, I like Hedman, you know, Hedman's great there anywhere in the, anywhere from seven to 10, that range. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. There's one player that I would love to see in the top 10, but he still doesn't get the recognition. And I was actually going to pose a question to Mike earlier when he mentioned that he was taking, uh, Nathan McKinnon for the art Ross, not the art Ross for the heart. And that's, I was going to ask what happens if Miko Rantanen actually outscores Nathan McKinnon is, are we going to see the typical bias for the North American hockey player for the heart? Because I personally believe that Miko Randman is superior to Nathan McKinnon, and I think he's going to hit 100 points this year, and I think he's going to actually turn a lot of heads so that people acknowledge that he's not just the Malkin to Crosby, the guy riding shotgun. Um, although they rarely ever played on the same line, Malcolm and Crosby. But um, I'm fine with that. I just I would like to put Randon in the top ten. I would probably put him somewhere in the seven to nine range, um, just like I would put Leon Dreisaitl up in there. That's great. Great an, a great analysis, Sean. I, I totally agree with you, and um, I have no rebuttal. I think you're 1,000% correct, and uh, that's why we bring you on this program. You're very, very knowledgeable, and I appreciate that. Let's continue with the top five, again, according to the SCORE television network here in Canada. At number five, they've got Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals. Number four, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. Number three is Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Number two is Sid the Kid from the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously. And number one is the guy that I think is the best player on the planet. I've already mentioned that. Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers, gentlemen. Yeah, well, I mean, Connor McDavid is uh, the slam dunk number one for me. I know Kucherov beat him in the points race last year, but McDavid is the best player in the league for sure. And uh, Kucherov has done well. He gets better every season as a former second round pick. I mean, great pick by the Lightning. Like that's really paying off uh, from uh, the 2011 draft. So uh, you know, great, great pick there by them, and that's they could never have dreamed that he would be you know, the, uh, the Art Ross champion, I don't think, when they made that pick. But uh, I have to say, though, I don't, I like the list overall. It's not like when we get these Sports Illustrated lists that you and I go over, Mike, and, and they have just so many omissions, and they're so poorly written and everything. It's not well, like that. First of all, they don't have the knowledge. And, you know, the ESPN, they've got a couple of hockey guys that couldn't find a job in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Yeah. But down there, they're knowledgeable because they know the difference between a back check and a four check. So that's what makes them hockey writers down there. Yeah. So anyway, but I mean, Leon Dreisaitl is a, is a glaring omission there for sure. One of only two 50-goal scorers last year. And, and Andy uh, cleared 100 points, like 50 goals, 55 assists. I'm sorry, when you make your list the next year, you can't omit that from the top 10. You just you can't have Leon Dreisaitl missing in the top 10. I know I'm an Euler fan, but numerically, mathematically, you can't do that. So clearly, he needs to be in there. And But other than that omission, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, you can't really argue with anything else there. What do you think, Sean? I agree with you. I think that's that same uh, bias that they have towards Renton and because Dreisaitl for much of the year rides shotgun with McDavid, McDavid gets all the credit and they don't give uh, Dreisaitl the credit. Um, they did it in the 80s, they did it with Curry, and they still do it. Um, no, uh, the only my only trouble with the top five is um, Sidney Crosby. 
I have always felt he is overrated, not quite as overrated as Jonathan Taves, but um, I would probably have Crosby in the seven to nine range, and I would bump three, four, five up, and probably I would add into somewhere around the five to six range somebody who also has not gotten any consideration in the top ten, but because of where he well because of where he's from and again he has turned heads everywhere he has been and he has proven on three different teams now that he doesn't need players around him to be the greatest superstar on his team and that's Artemi Panarin who once again on the blue shirts is going to have a 90 to 95 point year this year and now that he's finally in the true center of the hockey universe he is going to get that recognition that he finally deserves. Well, I only have one thing on this list that I'm wondering where this guy is, and there's no room on this top 10 for Johnny Goudreau. (laughs) (laughs) That's just called humor, guys. That's what this is, a little levity. No room for Johnny Goudreau, 99 points, needs one point in the last game of the season last year, couldn't get it, and then gets one point in in the five-game series whatever you want to call it, against the Colorado Avalanche. I can't believe there's not room on this list for Johnny Gaudreau. The top 10, 15-year-olds under 5'2". There you go, absolutely. That number one. That get carded in every NHL city they go into. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, there was one thing that I did want to mention or did want to ask the guys, and I have, I have a couple of teams. We've talked about where we see teams fitting into the playoff picture. We see teams that we ultimately think are going to be the two teams that are going to battle for Lord Stanley's Cup next June. But this is what something that I used to do on my program a long, long time ago. Let's go to the bottom two. Give me one team, both of you, both Sean and Chris, and I will give you my two, but give me two teams that their season is done as soon as training camp is over. Which two teams have, like I said, which two teams have a snowball's chance in Phoenix of having a successful season? One from the East and one from the West, and we'll start out in Vancouver with Sean. From the East, that is easy. That's the Detroit Red Wings, who, if you look at their lineup, they are icing a complete AHL team this year. I think they're going to be in the battle for uh, Alex Lafreniere all season long, and I think they're going to win it. And from the West, I'm going with the Anaheim Ducks. I think uh, it's probably going to help them having uh, Ryan Kessler be out for the season and having lost Corey Perry. But I still think they're on their way down, and I don't think John Gibson's going to be able to help him. He's a great young goalie he, with great stats every year. But he, there's only so much he can do defensively. They lack any offense, and they're going to be at the bottom with the LA Kings all season. Those are great. I, I'm just going to go with in the East. I'm going to go with the gimme. I'm going to go with the Ottawa Senators. I think that they're uh, just so poorly run, which I know Sean agrees with. They're so poorly run. But uh, it's, it's. I mean, that'd be nice if, you know, Zaitsev can help them out and Thomas Shabbat gets some credit and all this and they end up being this scrappy team and if DJ Smith ends up being a good coach. Like, that'd be a nice story for a small Canadian market. That's cool, but I just don't see it. I think that they're going to be terrible again. And 
Uh, I have I love your Western pick. I've been waiting for the Anaheim Ducks to suck for so long, and they always keep pulling it out. It seems every year they've got this internal cap. They don't even spend to the cap. They don't great have great money. They don't have great fans. And I've just been waiting for so long. They should not have been good all this time. And I've been waiting for this for so bloody long that I think this is finally the year when the Anaheim Ducks suck ass and I can't wait. Well, my two teams were in a Stanley Cup matchup years ago, to my recollection. I remember, I think, Pierre Gauthier had gone from Ottawa to Anaheim. I don't remember what year it was, but it was the one and only year Brian Burke Greasy boy made his reputation as finally winning a Stanley Cup with that season's version of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Now it's, of course, obviously just the Anaheim Ducks. But these two teams have fallen just tremendously down the ladder of the National Hockey League. And I agree with Chris in the East in regard to Ottawa. And I applaud and agree with Sean in the West with Anaheim. I I was kind of close to putting the LA Kings there, but I think the LA Kings still have a few tangible assets that maybe if Todd McClellan can find some magic, can maybe get them out of the basement. I don't see that same thing happening with Anaheim down there in Disneyland. I have Ottawa and Anaheim already getting ready for the 2020-2021 season. That's how far along I think those two teams are. Before we say goodbye to Sean on this 400th episode, I do have a couple of questions, and I just love to listen to Sean go off about things like the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning and and what a yahoo he is, and we'll get to that. But as promised, I wanted to get your feelings on Jack Edwards, the uh, broadcaster for the uh, Boston Bruins. Um, He got himself, I think, in a little bit of hot water on Thursday night. In fact, Dallas Stars defenseman Roman, am I saying this correctly, guys, Polak? Is that what it is? Roman Polak, his agent, Alan Walsh, he has called Bruins broadcaster Edwards, and I quote, a piece of shit and an absolute disgrace (laughs) for his insensitive comments after Polak was running to the boards during the team's season opener on Thursday in Dallas. And what started all this shenanigans was Edwards called it bad hockey karma that Polak was injured on this play. Um... I have my feelings on this, Sean, and being having been a broadcaster at some level a long time ago, um, I think that they have to hold themselves to a little bit higher standards. Um, but I'd like to see yours and then Chris's comments about uh, Edwards' insensitivity, if you will, coming from the Thursday game in Dallas. It's Boston. He's yeah. a massive homer. Boston and Philadelphia are known for their reputation amongst fans and sports media for how blatantly biased they are and can be. Um, We saw a great example about two weeks ago when uh, during the pregame of an Eagles home game, one of the Philadelphia 76ers players was tailgating and he was wearing the jersey of the opposing team for that day (laughs) and he got he got jumped by some drunken Eagles fans who were trying to beat up their own team's basketball star yeah like this these markets this is what they do this is you know as much as I hate Boston 
they all of their teams are winners. They have been huge winners. They know winning, and um, but Jack Edwards, he's he's made, he was making comments like this in 2011. Um, he's, you know, what are you gonna do? Well, There's not much you can do about it. People are going to voice their opinions. Sometimes those people are jackasses. Sometimes they're insensitive. And yeah, it was very insensitive. And it was ill-timed. And he should not have been saying what he said while a player is laying motionless on the ice um, about to get stretchered off. And um, we saw a similar incident uh, a couple nights earlier on Hockey Night in Canada with... Um, Jim Hewson, he got in a lot of hot water on social media over some comments he made as well. And, you know, I just, I don't attribute a lot to it. I think it's going to get brushed under the rug fairly quickly because this is just, this is our 21st century outrage culture where people fly off the handle at the littlest things just because they want to and they feel entitled that they can. And um, some people take it too far and they start calling for people's jobs and public apologies and whatnot. And what are you going to do? You know, well, this is the world we live in. Sean, I, I couldn't agree with you more, but I'm still old school. Um, you've never met me personally. I've got old gray hair. I'm getting older by the day. I think that Jack Edwards, and if WEEI in Boston would do the right thing, I think that they should suspend him for a week or so just to make him aware that regardless of how flippant we get in this day and age with our comments, comments are still biting, comments are still insensitive, and I think that Jack Edwards, having known Jack going back to the 90s when I met him back in the uh, my radio days, but when he was a... Uh, Sports Center anchor on uh, ESPN. I think that there should be some ramifications for his actions, and I think it won't happen. I agree with you, but I think at the very least, if EEI was worried about uh, moving forward with their broadcast team on uh, Bruins telecast, I think Edwards should be shown the door for at least a week, uh, just to make him aware that he can't get away with saying insensitive and stupid things when he is on doing a, a Bruins broadcast? Well, I think as a broadcaster, you get told to know your audience. And I mean, radio broadcasters in sports have been known for a long time to be homers, much more than just mainstream, Correct. you know, you know, national broadcasts or anything like that. And and that's who's listening. It's, it's Bostonians listening, it's, and they're that type of people, and that's what they're listening for. And they probably loved it. And they said, yeah, that's that's right. And uh, that's who's listening, and so I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's that's who you're that's who you're playing to. Paul Allen for the Minnesota Vikings is an outstanding broadcaster, but at the same time, as an unabashed homer, he's so good that you can't say he's not a good broadcaster. But he is a complete 100% homer. Well, and that's the same way. During my affiliation in the 80s with the Lakers, the best homer of broadcasters was the great Chick Hearn. Chick Hearn would tell you exactly what he thinks, and he got away with it. But that was now 35 years ago, and things have changed. And I think we all have to be a little bit more politically correct, if you will, even though that, that pains me to say, I do believe that uh, Jack should, Mr. Edwards should be facing a bit of a suspension for this because he needs to be, a, me, needs to be made aware, easy for me to say, needs to be made aware that there are actions for things that you say on the air. And I think that WEEI would show a lot toward the league and show a lot toward the Bruins organization if they were to do this. I, 
I agree with your thoughts, Mike. However, I think all three of us can agree that nothing's going to happen to him. Um, Absolutely. If it it was ESPN, if it was a national broadcaster, yes, I would think that something would happen um, just because a bigger network with uh, more reach would feel the heat from people all over the country. But uh, you guys made really good points, especially Chris saying that, you know, he, they tailor their their announcing to their crowd. And this is what Bostonians want. Um, this is what the rabid fan bases want. And uh, I'm sure they have no problem with it. And I don't foresee anything happening with them. Sean, before we get out of here, I've got to ask you, I have, I've been waiting all week for this, and um, I know it's going to be potentially a long year for you with your local team out there in Vancouver. Um, they've got the young man, uh, Pedersen, and uh, you know, I know they've, uh, they've got some other assets out there, but I think it's going to be a long year. But I did hear last week, I think it was about Wednesday on TSN, that Jeff O'Neill, I think that's his name, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Carolina Hurricane at one time. He's now part of an afternoon talk show on TSN. He believes that Vancouver is going to make the playoffs. Um, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about Jim Benning's crew. Uh, Do they have a shot? And if they do have that shot, what has to go right in Vancouver for the Canucks to see the postseason? Well, I... I'm aware of his comments as well. I believe he was the only person on that show that picked the Canucks to make the playoffs. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm more optimistic than in years past. Um, I don't know. Maybe with Benning's contract extension over the summer, just so he wasn't a lame duck GM, and perhaps they were hoping that he wouldn't make stupid decisions like uh, Shirelli made in his last year with Manning and signing Koskinen to whatever it was that he did. Um, They would take some of the pressure off of him. So maybe that'll be a good thing. Um, You all, you already know, I don't really care for him much because he should be a pro scout and that's it. Um, His scouting is fine. He just doesn't do anything else. Well, um, he's an old school thinker. Um, but getting back to the, I don't want to get off track and just start ranting on Benning. Um, I do enough of that as it is. And all it does is increase my stress. Um, the Canucks are, uh, I think the Canucks will play meaningful games in February, perhaps even the beginning of March. But once again, I, I think they're going to be falling short. I see them in the 10, 11 range in the West. So, um, no, I, I ultimately, they're not, their bottom six is not talented enough. Um, before the season began, they made a lot of noise out here when um, they put Sven Berchi on waivers. And Berchi was a huge project of Bennings from his first season when we traded our second round pick, Hunter Shinkarik, to Calgary for him in, in exchange of reclamation projects. And every single one of his deals over the years have all turned into absolutely nothing, and he's recouped nothing from any of them. Um, 
Goldobin was also sent down. These are two players that uh, provide offense, but they don't play the way that Travis Green wants them to play. Green is very much in favor of a traditional top six and bottom six for his forwards. This is why you see the likes of Brandon Sutter and... uh, Jay Beagle and the Tim Schallers who can't even stay in the lineup for more than 30 games a season yet have guaranteed contracts and they're remaining with the team and these young players with actual offensive talent who are capable of putting the puck in the net are not given the chance. The entire league has gone to at least three lines that can score but over here we remain staunchly in support of uh, Top six being providing the offense, your first two lines, and your third and fourth providing the defense. And last year, statistically, our third and fourth line were awful. They were not keeping the puck out of the net. And when you've got multiple players whose sole task is the exact same thing in Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle, you're you're holding back young players from making the roster so that you can play this grinded out boring hockey and that's what I largely expect to see out of the Canucks I I really hope Pedersen takes another step forward in his sophomore season Um, I do think he's going to be scoring more and he will lead the team in goals I don't like Brock Besser I have not he's a fine player but he's not as good as everybody thinks he is um I'm glad they only signed him to the three-year bridge deal. And um, I'm seeing Pedersen score about 35 goals this year and hopefully gets right around point per game, 80, 85 points. And, uh, you know, Besser running shotgun on the power play and they got the additions of Tyler Myers with his big shot at the back. Um, That should be all right. Um, His mobility really struggles and he gets turnstiled a lot. But... Hopefully his presence will, on the power play alone, will provide the 10 to 12 goals that, statistically speaking, he has always provided each year. So um, I look forward to more offense from the back end, especially from Quinn Hughes. I think he's going to be amazing. As I said, I predict him to be right up there in the top three for the Calder all year with his brother and Capo. And um, uh, other than that, yeah, the Canucks, they're going to be all right. I don't think they're going to be... They're, you know, we're going to see their young players, and they're going to be exciting. Nobody's going to be sitting there jumping out of their seats when Jay Beagle scores four goals in the season and Brandon Sutter goes down and gets injured just like Chris Tanev and Alex Edler will every single season. It's not going to be a surprise, but hopefully we have some depth now that uh, we won't be hamstrung by those injuries and they'll be able to trudge on and... Uh, make it count for late February, early March, but ultimately I see them falling short, Um, but they will still be taking small strides forward because that is Benning's uh, MO, little, little, little tiny steps forward. We've got a run on this uh, 400th, our special 400th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We certainly thank our Vancouver Bureau Chief Sean Dode for making this the special entity that it is. We also thank you out there in unscripted land for listening and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.